All right, we've been in Genesis. And I don't know how long we're going to be in Genesis until God lets me get out of it. That's what I'm going to tell you. But man, oh man, what a blessing Genesis has been to me. And we're going to take up this morning in Genesis chapter 7. And I want to specifically look at the ark. Now I'm going to read Genesis 7 to you first. And then I want to go back and give you some points about the ark that are truly, I don't know if uh, you, you may already know these, and if you do, then humor me. If not, then maybe it'll be a blessing to you. But uh, Genesis chapter 7 is where we're going to be. But first of all, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you pour out on us. Father, we just give you the honor and praise for bringing us back together here this morning so that we can fellowship one with another. This is our true family. This is the family that comes through the blood of Jesus. Father, it's a long each week to get back with this family. And I thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, as we open your scriptures this morning, I pray that you would just reveal something new to each and every one of us. Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our our heart so that we may understand the things that you have you've got in store for us here this morning in your word i lift up each and every prayer request lord and, and ask that you would be present in each and every one of those set of circumstances that in each and every one of those second circumstances father that you're glorified through the outcome and that your will be done these things i ask in jesus name amen Genesis chapter 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of each unclean... Uh, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark before the waters of the flood of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark, Noah, male and female, as God had commanded them. Or Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on the, that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his son with him entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, 
two by two of all flesh in which is the breath of life so those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in now I do want to stop there for just a second I want you to take very sharp notice Noah didn't go gather one of those animals up he didn't pitch a corral out there and start gathering cattle. He didn't trap any hogs or any birds. He opened the door and God sent them in. Okay? Verse 17, Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the Spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Now, what I want to point out this morning are some, some parallels between the ark and Christ. And I, as I go through this, I want you to really think about it. It's, it so perfectly lines up. First of all, the ark was divine provision from God. It was divine provision that He had provided for the ones that He chose. Was Noah not chosen and his family? Absolutely. And because of Noah's faithfulness, like we talked about last week, we're going to see here as we go forward. Before the flood came and before the ark was made, a means of escape from judgment was provided for Noah and his household in the ark. The ark was not provided by him after the water had begun to descend, it, but instead Noah was commanded to build it before the first drop fell from the sky. Because of Noah's and his, his, he was staying in tune to God and His Word, and he was paying attention to the to God speaking to him, and he was faithful and obedient to do what God told him to do. Is how the ark was built. So too, the saviorship of Christ was no afterthought. It was no afterthought of God when sin had come in and blighted His creation. From all eternity He had purposed to redeem a people unto Himself and in consequence Christ was the perfect Lamb that was slain. Thus became mine of your ark. God revealed to Noah His own designs and ordered him to build a refuge into which he could flee from impending judgment. Christ is that refuge for you and I to flee to 
that keeps us from that impending judgment. In like manner, God has to reveal by His Spirit, just like He had to speak to Noah to build that ark, He has to speak to me and you by His Spirit, in other words, to reveal Himself so that His, the, his mercies and His grace toward us can be poured out. Otherwise, otherwise, our blindness and ignorance would damn us to hell. Amen? So, so just like the ark, Christ is our ark. That, that, that means that God has sent to save us from impending judgment. Okay, so first of all, I want to look at, at the material in which the ark was built. And, the, and we're told it was built out of gopher wood. Gopher wood. It wasn't made of steel. Like we do make our ships today, or our sailing vessels, it was made out of wood, gopher wood. And what this does, it reveals to us a truth that we see time and time again, both in nature and in God's Word, and that is that life comes out of death. Life comes out of death. That life can be secured only by a sacrifice. That gopher wood was living at one time on the face of the earth. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was made a sacrifice so that it could save life. That which has secured the life of Noah and his house had to be obtained from the death of that tree or those trees. Trees from the earth. Isaiah 53 2 says this. And this is it's Isaiah's description of Christ. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. You see, Christ also taking on and becoming the Son of Man was made from, from the dust, just like we are. So, you see the parallel between the ark and the gopher wood and Christ? So Christ also, so Christ who was the eternal Son of God must become the Son of Man, part of which originally was made out of the dust of the earth and as such cut down, or in Daniel, as in the, in the book of Daniel, it says cut off. It doesn't say cut down. But it says cut off. Amen? Now, the next thing I want to point out is the ark was a refuge from divine judgment. The ark was a refuge from divine judgment. There are three arks mentioned in the scripture. And each of them was a shelter from divine judgment. The ark of Noah secured those within it from the outpouring judgment of God by the flood. The ark of the bulrushes in Exodus chapter 2 protected the young child Moses from Pharaoh. And the ark of the covenant sheltered the two tables of stone on which the inscribed holy law of God was written. Each ark points to Christ. Each ark points to Christ. And putting the three together, we see that, that, that a believer is sheltered from God's wrath. Through Christ, we can be sheltered from God's wrath. Satan's assaults and his condemnation of the law 
are the only, only things in the universe that threaten that. But through Christ, we can overcome it. The next thing I want to share with you about the ark is that Noah was invited in. He said, come. What did he say? I may not be able to find it. Anyway, he says to him, come in. Come in. He didn't say go in. He said come in. It was an invitation. It was an invitation. It wasn't an order. Just like we are, when the Holy Spirit starts working in us, Christ invites us in. He invites us in. We're not forced in. Are we? No, we're invited in. And he says to him, come into the ark. He was invited in. And, and, and he didn't, he, he, it was a gracious invitation. Just like when, when the Holy Spirit start, starts working in us, that grace that's poured out on us is what, is what stirs us and changes us and, and, and prompts us to accept that invitation. Noah had to be completely in tune. Think about the relationship that he must have had with God. He, he didn't, it, it doesn't tell us, but, but I can tell you, God didn't have to beg him. He believed what God said about the, the, the coming judgment to be so true that, that when he said, come into the ark, he ran. With open arms. Just like that, that is just like a picture of our salvation. That, that when God is doing a work in a lost sinner, that, that they get to a point, they get to a point where the moment Christ says come, what do we do? We run straight to Him. But we have to be at that exact point in that work that He is doing inside of us to make us ready to accept that invitation. Come signified, the word come when he tells him to come, also signified that God was going to be present with him. He wasn't, when Noah and his family were in that ark, he, 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 it wasn't just them out there floating alone. God's presence was with him. So that word come also signifies that, that, that God would, would be with him. Would, would stay with him. His presence would be known to Noah. What does the Holy Spirit do for, with us? He lives inside of us. He speaks to us. His presence is always with us. Amen? God always addresses himself to the heart and the conscience of individuals. The invitation went further. It said, come thou and all thy house into the ark. Hmm. That invitation was not just for Noah. But for all his house. For all his house. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And 
thy house. Mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, you worry about your children? Your grandchildren, your, your descendants? What does he say there in Acts 16, 31? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Hold on to it. Grab hold of it. Hold on to it. The ark was a place of security. The ark was a place of security. Now, I can't imagine. I've seen some pretty raging waters from a flood. But I cannot imagine the, 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 the water rushing and the desolation. You know, water is a dangerous thing. And I, I, I just have to think, when the, open, when the heavens opened up, it wasn't a shower. It was a pour down. It was coming. But the ark was a place of security. Just like Christ is our place of security. Christ is our ark, is our place of security. It, the Bible says in Genesis 6.14, it was pitched. Meaning that it was thoroughly watertight. Now, I don't know about, I don't know what technology you think Noah had back there. But it wasn't anything like ours. I don't know what kind of tools you think Noah might have had to work on this ark with, but it wasn't anything like ours. But because of the divine inspiration of God and, and the divine direction that God gave Noah in building this ark, it was perfect. Because of the, of, of the perfect lamb that was slain on Calvary, our ark is perfect. It's watertight. Inside Christ Jesus, you and I are as secure as we can be. Not one thing can harm us. Not one disease can touch us. We are secure. We are, you know, you, you think of a jail cell being secure, don't you? Well, there's not a jail cell that can touch Christ Jesus. There's not a wall that, can, that, that reaches high enough or is thick enough that, get, that can touch the security that we have in Christ Jesus. And as believers living in, in the world that we live in and the circumstances that we live in, we lose sight of that. We think that our wall in Christ Jesus has holes in it, don't we? We think that it can be penetrated, don't we? We think that, that the water could rise over the wall or come under the door. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you, if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are as secure as secure as anything can ever be. Um. Grab hold of that. Grab hold of that. Amen. The Lord was with him. The Lord was shut up in him. Having been faithful, Noah did not have to take care of himself because of this security that we're talking about. God was responsible for his preservation because Noah was inside that ark 
God was in his presence. His preservation was in God. Where do, where, where do we get caught up with our preservation? A lot of times we think we gotta, we got to take care of it ourselves, don't we? A lot of self-preservation going on. When if we will just bow down and humble ourselves before God and completely and wholly submit to Him, we're in a place of security. We're in a place of security. It, that was a hard lesson for me to learn. I'm, on, I'm just going to tell you. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. And I had to learn it the hard way. I, I, I got physically sick learning that lesson. But when I finally figured out that lesson, you want to know what, what happened? There was a load removed off of me. There was a load removed off of me. When, when I finally came to the understanding that in this world, the only thing, the worst thing that can happen to me is they can take my life on this earth. They'll never get the one that's going to be eternal. They'll never get the one that's going to be eternal. They can take all my things, all these earthly things that aren't mine anyway. They can empty all my banking accounts. They can throw me in a jail. They can do all kinds of sorts of what we call bad things to us. But the one thing they can't touch is my salvation. My salvation is anchored in Christ. In that, I'm completely secure. Completely secure. First Peter 1.5 says this about believers. Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Ready to be revealed in the last time. They can't take. Your salvation cannot be stripped from you. It cannot be stripped from you. The next thing I want to point out. There was one door into that ark. Have you ever thought about that? There was one door going into that ark. I, it, I'm sure I missed it and it gave the dimensions of the door and all that. But it doesn't matter. There was one door into that place of refuge and security for Noah and his family. I just picture, I, I picture when God said come, I just, I, I just picture all the animals lining up two by two. Two by two, behind Noah and his family. That must have been a sight in itself. Amen? And then as they go up into that ark, they, they, they were divinely appointed where to go. And you might have had lions laying by giraffes or tigers laying by... There wasn't, there wasn't any chaos or nothing going on, was it? And then... How in the world did Noah provide all that food for, for every, everybody and everything during that time? He didn't. God did. Because in, in that place of refuge and security and preservation, there was no need of anything. Just like when we are in Christ, our needs are fully met. Our needs are completely and fully met. But there was one door. One door going into that ark. That all must pass through. 
to get into that refuge. Well, guess what? There's one, there's one to eternity. And that's Christ Jesus. And if you are going to enter into that ark and that protection and that preservation and that eternal home, you must go through Christ Jesus. That's the one door that all must pass through to enter into that kingdom. Amen? John 10.9 says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The last point, no, it's not the last point. Next to the last point I want to make about the, the ark. It had three stories. The ark had three stories, three levels. This points to the salvation which we have in Christ Jesus as a threefold one. It embraces our threefold constitution making provision for the redemption of our spirit, our body, and our soul. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those three stories point to our spirit, soul, and body. Now, the last thing I want to point out about the ark is it had one window. It had one window. And it says that that window was to be placed above. Placed above. I wonder why in the world would it be placed above? Now remember, they're shut in. You think, well, it had to be for some light to come in in that old dark ark. But I don't think so. Noah and his companions were not to be looking down at the desolation and destruction that was going on round about them. But they were to keep their eyes and their focus on the Lord above. It's easy for us as believers to keep our eyes focused on the things down here around about us. And the mess and the turmoil and the chaos and the sin-ravaged world and, and, and on and on and on and on. But as believers, we are supposed to keep our eyes focused on things above. It's difficult to do sometimes, isn't it? Very difficult to do because we have to live in this. We can't just put a blindfold on and earplugs in our ears and go through life. We have to come in counter and in contact with the things that are going on in this world. But what it forces is us to bathe ourselves daily in the Word of God and in prayer in order to renew our minds. Isn't that what the Bible says? To renew our minds and keep our faith and focus on things above. That's how we persevere. That's how we make it. That's how we endure to the end. It's keeping our focus on the things above. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds 
on things above, not on things on earth. You say, Pastor, that's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any easier. Because we are in a temple that is drawn to this, this world. We are, we, are in, we are encapsulated in a body that, that our nature is drawn to the things of this world. But because we're redeemed and saved by the Holy Spirit, now we have something that draws us spiritually. And then we have the power to choose over this world and feed that spiritual man so that then we can focus on things above. Focusing on things above. So we are called to walk by faith and journey through this life with our eyes turned toward heaven. I don't know about you, but for me, as I walk, as my walk grows with God and the older I get, and the, it's easier, it seems to me, to just focus on heaven. As God grows me and changes me and, and, and does things in me, I look forward to heaven. I feel like a fish out of water. And all oh, the peace and joy that comes with that, when you, when, when, when you know that all of this, when you understand by the blood of Jesus after you've been saved that all of this is for nothing. It don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter how much land you got. All that matters is how much Jesus you got. How much Jesus you got? Are you saved? Because that's all that matters. Thank you, Father, for the blood. That song we we had the other night, Charity Gill. The blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb. That one door. That one door to eternity. We must all walk through and accept through Him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for the perfect Lamb that went to the cross. We thank You for this picture of the ark and how it parallels with, with Jesus. Father, we thank You for Your refuge, for Your security, for Your provision. And that by grace and mercy You've poured out on us that we might partake in a heavenly kingdom. I lift up each and every one here this morning, Lord. I ask that you be with them. Protect and draw people unto you. Let us be what you called us to be. In all that we do, Father, may we glorify and honor you as it is all about you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.